It's November 27th, and this is the Cream City Pacers Weekly Rundown. Welcome to another great episode, all you wonderful Pacers out there. This is our Thanksgiving edition. Super excited to talk about some turkey trots. At the Cream City Pacers, we are here to bring you inspiring stories and talk to the Pacers around our community, where we talk with professional athletes, political figures, CEOs, authors, and more. And this week's guest is adding to that list. We are interviewing the mayor of Wauwatosa, Dennis McBride. But before we talk about that, I'm your host, Alex Main, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Apostoli Everniatis. Hey, 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 Pacers. What's up, Alex? Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Turkey Day. Well, let's not take the thanks out of the Thanksgiving. I just want to say, man, thank you. Thank you for everything that you do, putting out this great show here. Uh, you're an amazing, amazing figure, uh, and I'm very, very grateful to have you in my life. Well, I'm great to have you in my life. This has been an amazing ride over the last two years here, and I just want to give a big thanks to all you listeners. You are all wonderful, and we love you, as we always say every episode. So we hope you guys get to enjoy some runs over this Thanksgiving break. Uh, it looks like we had rain like all week, and then Thanksgiving comes, and we're gonna. Looks like it's the weather's gonna break. So I'm excited to get some runs in, but. There's so many buts here. I feel like, well, it'll be but before I introduce Dennis McBride, but before I say, I have something else to say. Um, we do have a great show for you today. Like I mentioned, we have Dennis McBride, the mayor of Wauwatosa, on the show. And, you know, we're, we're excited to talk to Dennis. We actually had this scheduled a few weeks ago. And this last weekend, there was the shooting at Mayfair. So, you know, there, we, we're going to talk about that, but we're not going to let the whole episode be about that. I'm really Looking forward to talking to Dennis. If you guys don't know Dennis, he is an incredible runner, as I hope to talk about. But he has some insane accolades, obviously, and we were talking about this before the show. But he is inducted to the UW-Milwaukee Athletic Hall of Fame. He's also in the Hall of Fame at uh, Tosa East, where he won the 1972 state championship for track and field where hopefully we find out about some of his running stories he talks about. But I know you know he's run a bunch of marathons. He didn't just run marathons. We've run marathons. He won marathons. It's Yeah, he won marathons. I was going to let it go in the show, but so back in the day before it was the Lakefront Marathon, it was the Milwaukee Mayfair Marathon, and uh, he won that twice. He sent some photos over, like the newspaper clippings, um, before the show to take a look at, and it was... They're pretty cool. I mean, like, dude, they're from, like, you know, the 70s, 80s, and they're, he's looking real good. He's looking real good. So uh, Dennis, from what I know of Dennis, is a great guy, so really excited to have him on the show. Um, now here's my other bud, but let's talk about Thanksgiving and the turkey trot. As everyone knows, usually everyone has their own turkey trot that they run. And for me, actually, obviously, I don't even know if you know this, but the turkey trot in Fond du Lac um, back in 2012 was the first, like, race I ever ran. And I've done it every year. Really? I've done it every year since. It's like my favorite thing, like low-key favorite thing every year. I always have, it's Christina and myself, and then like I for sure have one buddy, Andrew Biddick, 
who we run it mm-hmm. every year. And then you know, depending on the year, friends float in and out. Um, but it's my favorite run. It's five miler. You get a pie afterwards. It's the Fond du Lac turkey trot put on by Festival Foods. But it's not there this year. And I'm pretty heartbroken. Like most people we've talked to, people were like heartbroken races weren't happening this summer. And I'm like, yeah, that's fine. But I'm, I feel like it finally hit me that, you know, there's no turkey trot. And it's like, dang, tradition's broke. What a tradition. And I had no idea that, you know, you, you always talk about your story and how you started running here. And I thought it was, you know, around 2014, 2015 that you started running. Well, I didn't realize that you were you were doing the the turkey trots even before that. And five miler is not a not a negligible distance. That's pretty good. Yeah, that like I'll, I'll say I started running in 2014 because that's when like I really started training for a marathon. But like, yeah, I got out there. Christina made me run this. Was it miserable? Yeah, but I think it stilled the first year too. But let's take a moment to thank Christina for what she has done to make you just a better person all around. I, this is the Thanksgiving podcast. So let's thank Christina, truthfully. Christina, you did a great job. And, and, the, and the running world owes you now, Christina, because if you hadn't done what you did, this podcast would not have happened ever. It, 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 yeah, you're right. Christina, thank you. She can probably hear me in the other room. So she's getting a little, uh, getting a little thanks before she hears the thanks. But I always think it's funny, this story, and I've said this like a million times on here. Um, like, I got into running because it was like, hey, you're either going to go up a shirt size and be an extra large, or you should start listening to your wife and going to the group runs because they're fun. And uh, I'm glad I decided to do the running thing because now I'm in mediums. So there we go. Sick brag, <laughs> Alex. Sick brag. Oh, you wear a medium now, bro. Anyways, yeah, so I'm, I'm a little heartbroken, but um, I'm still going to get a run in. I don't know if it'll be the same course or what it'll be, but um, I'm excited. And speaking of turkey trot, uh, you know, our good friend Molly Seidel has to one-up us again after we beat her in the Slow Mile Challenge. She is attempting to set the world record in the turkey trot while wearing a turkey costume. And we're not going to play that game. Yeah, we're not going to play that game. But Molly, that looks super fun. It looks super awesome. And we wish you the best of luck. And I'm super excited to watch any videos or anything that comes through on that. So we'll be sure to share. I'm super excited to have her on the show and to, to talk about it. I'd, I'd have her on the show if we could all sit around in turkey suits. Hmm. That's like between the two ferns, between two ferns episode. Be very funny and awkward but would fit us all so you're running so i want to hear about your marathon training a little bit here brother because let me tell you what i i ask you a question that i want to talk duh that's how it is here i just did a 10-day run streak it was great it felt good it wasn't like anything crazy i think the most miles i ran was eight and the least i ran was two so it it fluctuated but it felt good doesn't that doesn't matter two two one mile half a mile you've been you've been running every single day congrats that's awesome wish i could say the same i haven't been running every day i've missed some of my training runs but i am embracing the theory and the philosophy behind some of our our most successful guests in the past like matt thal Corey Waltering, who say that, you know, just don't beat yourself up. If you miss a run, just go out and put a harder effort the next day. Just don't worry about it. So that's where I'm at. I've had a few runs. I've had some good runs, but I missed it. Like I missed my long run, but it was a shorter long run this past weekend. 
but I was traveling. No excuses, as Tracy Johnson would say from a recent episode. Yeah, I'm going to be like Corey this week. I'll be like Tracy Johnson next week. I like how we can just like pick our favorite guests and like pretend they're characters that were, yeah, um, I, I'm Patrick Beezer this week or I'm Richard Dodd. Hey, I just want to give a thanks to everyone who's a guest on our show. You guys are all wonderful, and we appreciate you having on and you taking the time to be on our show to tell your story. It is wonderful, and we're excited for the guests that we have lined up for the rest of the year, for them to share their story, and for any guests that we, we don't know yet, we're excited to share your story too. So thank you for being a runner and being an inspiration. I'm getting good at it. I'm like you now. I'm picking up on how to give thanks here. So when is your marathon again? Uh January 20 the, the week of January 23 whatever that is 27th the Sunday that is around that time so I'm, I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to do this because I depending on how good a shape you're in which I hope you're in insane shape but I would mm-hmm. like to do as much of it as I can with you okay so book your tickets now oh you're going to be in Cali <laughs> most likely I'm going to do it in Cali let's face it oh, the weather is going to be better and I'm going to have a good excuse to be out there jealous we're gonna have snow but no time for thinking of that snow garbage yet because it's it's thanksgiving and we need to think now and give thanks <laughs> okay i'm going over the top with the thanks stuff right now i can't believe you guys listen to me ramble like this sometimes so let's uh i think we should get into this interview unless you have anything else you want to talk about i can't wait all right let's bring on dennis Today, we are joined by Mayor Dennis McBride. Dennis is the mayor of Wauwatosa, or Tosa for all you hip folks out there. Running for Dennis goes all the way back to when he was a kid, and he was a part of the 1972 state championship track and field team at Tosa East. If there is one person who has seen the city grow and change over the years, Dennis is our man. Dennis, welcome to the Cream City Pacers podcast. Thank you. You make me sound pretty old when you say I... I've seen the city change and evolve, but I guess uh, I have to own that. Well, it's a good thing. I actually thought when I was writing that, I was like, I don't want that to come off like, you know, like you thought that. But you have all this history and knowledge, and someday, hopefully someone will be saying that about me. So I think that's a good thing. And I'm, I'm a, an amateur historian, son of two newspaper reporters, and I've got other uh, history professors in my family and all that. So history is part of our family DNA, I guess. So, wow. I, yeah. is this like local history, world history? What kind of history are we talking? Well, I I'm the guy in the in the city government who remembers when uh, Mayfair Road was called Lovers Lane Road, for example, and uh, uh, I know which house used to be on which corner and all that. But also, I uh, I'm a student of American history and also Irish history. I was the coordinator of the Hedge School at Irish Fest for twelve years, so I've written and lectured on Irish history as well. Dennis, that is incredible. That's all above my pay grade, all of that. <laughs> That's, um, I have a friend who's like part of the Milwaukee Historical Society and does a lot of the walking tours in town. And just the stuff he tells me, it's just so incredible. And to all the runners out there, we'll, we'll get into this. Uh, you, you right. were, uh, you've twice won the Milwaukee Mayfair Marathon. And uh, that's something a lot of people like the Milwaukee Mayfair Marathon. That was the uh, predecessor to the Lakefront Marathon. Yes, it was. And you won it twice. So I can't wait to get into that. But before we jump in, 
this last weekend, uh, it's been it's been an emotional week weekend, not only for the Tosa family, for you guys out there, but our Milwaukee community in general. You know, it's with heavy hearts. We're here again talking about another shooting in our town. So I kind of I don't <clears throat> want to spend a whole time talking about this, but kind of like where were you when you received the call that, you know, the shooting was happening? If you wouldn't mind walking us through that for a couple of minutes. You're talking about the one at Mayfair on Correct. Friday. Yeah. Uh, eight people were shot. There were seven adults and one 17-year-old. Uh, I received a text message from an ex-alderman, and then I checked that out, and I immediately called the city administrator, and I got the information. So that was probably, I think the shooting occurred just a little bit before 3 p.m., and I received it probably a little after 3 p.m. I immediately turned on the television to follow the news coverage, and I was taking calls, making calls, hearing from the, the police and the city staff. So, you know, it was, a, it was all the way into the, uh, you know, late evening that I was dealing with that. And then the next day, of course, there was more. I issued, uh, I, I was getting calls from the New York Times, the Washington Post, even some broadcast outlet in Japan, CNN, WGN, you name it. Uh, this was national news. And a friend of mine told me that uh, Lester Holt let off the NBC News with a quote from me, even though he didn't identify me by name. But this was uh, apparently bigger news than Don Trump Jr. getting coronavirus and whatever was going on with the election. As well, it should have, uh, because, I mean, after all, eight people getting shot at a shopping mall is, is troubling and unfortunately big news. Yeah, I mean, it is it is big news and it's unfortunate. And like you just said, it was, you know, it's it, it's been all over the place. And I, I can't imagine, you know, being the mayor of Tosa, the calls and texts and everything you kind of have to go through. And obviously, I'm sure you and your team are equipped for uh, situations like this where you guys can, you know, be able to handle this, delegate, and you're getting calls from everywhere. It's kind of, it's kind of crazy. And, you know, taking this back even just like a layer higher, and you... You know, you became mayor earlier this year, um, you know, just weeks before the George Floyd shooting. I mean, people were voting for you, you know, virtually in a, in a pandemic, which looked totally different. And, right. you know, everything that's come from the George Floyd shooting, right, police reform, doesn't matter what side of the aisle you're on. Um, and you, you've dealt with things that I don't think if we were sitting here last year, you thought you'd be dealing with. I mean, we're talking stuff as small as curfew issuing with the demonstrations that have been happening to the Mayfair Mall shooting. And I'm not trying to paint Milwaukee or Tosa in a bad light here, everyone. We know that we love our city, but you're I, I just, just don't... reciting you're reciting facts. That's all. Yeah, and yeah. it's and it's crazy. So how like how have you been centering yourself every day? Because I mean you being a mayor is someone something it's it's awesome and you want to be it, but this just sounds like crazy. So how do you center yourself and get in the right headspace so you can a lead during times like this? Well, let's take it back a, a few a few months further back. I mean, I filed my papers to run in December, and that was Christmas, and it was a joyful time. And who would have predicted 2020, right? Uh, then I knocked on 10,000 doors to become mayor, and all of a sudden, mid-March, we shut down our door-to-door -door campaign uh, because of the pandemic. And then uh, I got elected. As you say, uh, it was a pandemic election, which again got noticed across the country because people were saying, why is Wisconsin voting in the middle of this? Uh, then I took office. We had to deal, even before I took office, I was 
uh, after I, I won, there was a two-week period uh, lag there, and I was taking calls and participating in conferences with other mayors and village presidents and the county executive in Milwaukee County in a group called the Intergovernmental Cooperation Council. We were trying to coordinate the coronavirus response. Then I took office, and then a month later, George Floyd got murdered in Minneapolis, and that touched off uh, protests not only in Minneapolis, of course, but across the country and across the world. And we had a police officer who had killed three people in the line of duty over the last five years, and so that made Wauwatosa the center of attention. So, you know, you're in a, in a situation like this, you're usually thinking about Minneapolis or Chicago or Louisville or Seattle or Portland or New York or something, and all of a sudden it's all in Wauwatosa, Wisconsin. What's a Wauwatosa to most people, right? 48,000 people in uh, what the people on the coast call the flyover. Why is that important? And um, in a city of 48,000 people with a part-time common council, with a mayor who's making $30,000 a year with a skeleton staff, we are dealing with um, the kinds of issues that uh, mayors usually only deal with in very large cities. Um, so it's been an extraordinary time, and I've been interviewed by the British Broadcasting Company. Uh, uh, we, I've been interviewed by you know, a, a number of national outlets, and who would have thought? I didn't expect any of this. Uh, and Literally, every day I get people come up to me and say, wow, if you had only known, would you have done this? Would you have run? Today my wife came home from work and she was talking about people saying, tell Dennis that we feel sorry for him. Uh, so it's been, a, it's been a challenging time. So how do I center myself? If I didn't have exercise, who knows where I'd be right now. Uh, unfortunately, I've been dealing with plantar fasciitis in my left foot for quite a while. So I can't run as much as I want to, but uh, I've been doing a regimen anyway of running one day and swimming the next. And so uh, I swim a mile at a time when I swim, and uh, I run at least uh, three, four, five miles when I run and, and do, lift weights and all. Those are probably the most important times of my day because there have been times when I thought, if I couldn't jump in the pool and get a mile in, uh, I don't know where my brain would be. It'd probably explode. Yeah, I can only imagine. And you brought up <clears throat> exercise and swimming one mile at a time. And sorry about the plantar fasciitis. That is absolutely the worst. I feel like okay. I had that about a year and a half ago, and it okay. still lingers around. It, it like doesn't it go away, does it? just hangs out, and it yeah. sucks. Yeah. So uh, it sucks. But you bring up like swimming a mile at a time. And last week we had Corey Waltering, who set the fastest known time on the Ice Age Trail. So he ran the whole thing, the all 1,200 miles in like 21 days, which yeah. is it's an incredible Crazy. thing. And we were talking to him because like it's not all glorious, right? It's a, And he he was saying at points during his low points, he was counting 10 seconds at a time. Right. And he said it got to such a low that he was counting to two seconds. And then he's like, <laughs> well, it's only eight more seconds to get to 10 seconds. Yeah. And it's it's the same thing. I mean, you're you're saying that same thing within a mile, and it's crazy because like I don't know how long it takes to swim a mile. For for me, it'd probably take an hour. But um, it takes me a little over a half hour. Yeah, I'm not trying to set a speed record, but it's yeah. it's a steady nonstop pace. And know, it's incredible what 30 minutes of exercise can do for you. And and you basically yeah. just summed it up. That that's what it can do for you, and that and that's absolutely incredible. Well, it's you know you know this well as a runner. It's meditation. So you start out and you might be angry, you might be frustrated, you might be upset. And so, you you know, in the pool, you spend the first uh, 
10 laps, you know, cursing, whatever. And then all of a sudden you mellow out. And the same thing with running, you know, you, you start out and the world is horrible. And, and all of a sudden you find yourself in a different place. And yeah, I mean, it truly is meditation. It's wonderful. It's, it's uh, cleansing, isn't it? It's mentally cleansing. Yeah, uh, it's it's a beautiful thing, and I can only imagine um, for you because it's not like you're dealing with one issue or one thing at a time as mayor. You have like a million different things going on and responsibilities. So I can only imagine how it helps you just kind of get in that meditative state and lets you kind of reset or recharge however you kind of want to word it. Right. Well, I mean, our our uh, public health. Our director of our health department likes to point out that with all the coronavirus stuff she's been dealing with, there are a hundred other communicable diseases that uh, the department is supposed to trace, and they've been spending all their time on the coronavirus. So if you spend all your time on the coronavirus as mayor or public health officer or all your time on protests or whatever, the city's business still needs to go on. We still need to pick up the garbage. We need to... Um, you know, prune the trees. We need to make sure that the bills get paid and um, other things happen. So, yeah, I mean, that's what makes life interesting, right? Not doing the same thing all the time. You're in the you're in the best position for that. That's and I I had no idea. I don't know about you, Alex, but I had no idea that's such a low paying job. We, you know, there's such prestige around. Um, such a position as mayor of a big city like like Wauwatosa uh, and an exciting city like Wauwatosa that it has been for the past many years. Um, yeah, my kids say, when did Wauwatosa turn hip? And, and we did. We turned hip. So. Yeah, I had a cousin about 20 years ago was telling me, I want to open a restaurant in Tosa. It's going to be wild in a few years. And everybody was like, uh, I don't know. Yeah. we don't want to invest in your business. Uh, right. But um, mayor... Now you you mentioned how hard everything is. You, you uh, how everybody's feeling bad for you, and I, I we I do too because I own a restaurant. I own a very very small scale business, and very few people are affected. And in the end of the day, it's just brunch. Mayor, the decision making is one thing that we were discussing with Alex prior to this. Is there there seems to be that there's no right decision. Like there's Obviously, there are decisions that are better than others, but there's no one decision in the past few months that everybody will agree. Mayor, Mayor McBride did the right thing. Um, how are you dealing with that emotionally inside of you? We talk about getting my Abraham Lincoln bobblehead here. <laughs> oh. okay. For all you That's listeners at home, we're looking at. Okay, so. What did Lincoln say? He said, you can please some of the people all of the time, and you can please all of the people some of the time, but you can't please all of the people all of the time. So that's what you're talking about, that no matter what you do, someone will find fault with it. So um, there was something else, another Lincoln quote I used um, when I was interviewed by the BBC. The guy said, what's your playbook? And I said, my playbook comes from Lincoln's second inaugural address at the end when he said, we need to move forward, and these are his words, with firmness in the right as God gives us to see the right. In other words, do you, do you feel that you're grounded? Do you feel you have a good moral code? Do you, have you thought through the decisions? And if you've thought it through and you believe you're doing the right thing, 
you know you're going to get criticized, but I'm not in this job to become president of the United States or a U.S. senator. I'm too old for that. I'm doing this for my hometown. I'm obviously not doing it for the money. So um, the good news is uh, I'm retired from my day job. I don't need the money. I've got a pension. Um, if the voters decide to kick me out, that's what democracy is all about. And uh, in the meantime, I'm just going to do the, the best job I can. So uh, that and making sure I get my run or my swim in every day is what kind of keeps me going. And, and talk about running. This is the Cream City Pacers podcast, and we, we have just touched up on, on, on running. Uh, you are typically we have people that run a little bit and that are successful. Some people, like you mentioned, Vince Vitrano as well, Joe's son. Uh, mm -hmm. he's, he's a very prominent man in Milwaukee. Uh, he runs just for fun, but that's right. not just the case for you. You do run, but you're, you're kind of a legend. Uh, as Alex says, uh, you, uh, you were, you won the Milwaukee Mayfair Marathon, which is the predecessor to the Lakefront Marathon twice. Uh, you, uh, you were a member of the Tosa East uh, 1972 State Championship track and field team, if we're correct. Yes. And you were inducted into the uh, Hall of Fame at that same school in 2018. And, and if I can brag, more, I, if I can brag, also UWM. Yeah, I was gonna say we're missing UWM too. We right. gotta throw that accolade in there too. Right. So this is the second uh, ooh, 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 Hall and, of Famer and, from and, UWM. And and more than forty years after graduation, you still hold the fastest uh, ten thousand meter time ever run by a UWM athlete. Uh, I don't think that's true. I think I'm in the t top ten, but yeah. Um, I, I'm one of the few. I'm one of the few guys from the '70s who's still in the top ten on any of the records. So I'm. I'm actually. That's one of the things I'm proudest of. That forty year, more than forty years now. I, I graduated from college forty four years ago, and I'm. I still have a time, that's in that that category. And and UWM's had a really good track team since I left. Much better than what we had. So I'm very proud of that fact. Yeah. That is incredible. So. When you obviously you've been running since a young age, where like where did running come in? Are you from a family of runners? Like, nope. found like where did how did you find success so early? Well, when I was a kid, I'm one of seven children, six boys, one girl. Um, I did have a younger brother who ran on the Tosi's cross country team. Uh, most of the people who tried running were, you know, my brothers were pretty good at it, but. Um, I just, uh, I found out early, I was a baseball player too, I did pretty well in baseball and I played some basketball in high school, but I found uh, very early on that um, I could just run forever. And if somebody in my group, we were coming back from a baseball game or something, if somebody didn't have a bike, I'd say, here, ride my bike and I'll run alongside. Um, so I always knew that I had that talent. Um, then I went out for track at Tosi East when I was 14, and uh, I was horribly miscast as a half-miler. Uh, that's what we used to call him, not an 800-meter guy, but a half-miler. And I did well. I mean, I set the freshman record and all that, but it really wasn't my, my thing. And we had a terrible distance coach. Nice guy, terrible. He didn't even know. He had never been a runner. They just said, you're the distance coach. And... Um, 
I was so depressed by the lack of coaching skill, both at that level and the, and the head coach who had been a baseball player. He didn't want to be the track coach. And they said, you're the track coach. So, I mean, we were <laughs> not well coached. Um, the next year, we got a, a really great coach who ultimately took us to the state title. And then the following year, Joe Vetrano came along as a 22-year-old Marquette University graduate who came in and started turning around the, the cross-country and, and distance program. So those guys kind of rescued me, but I didn't run cross-country until I was a senior because um, I just figured it was a waste of my time. So I ran track, and I got hurt a lot because I wasn't being trained right. Even uh, by the time I got to college, I'd never run more than five miles at a time in my life. It just was a whole different world. We had the little cloth, little canvas running shoes with uh, soles that were about that thick, and... Uh, my first year, you guys are going to think I'm really ancient history, and I guess I am. Uh, Tosi used to have a cinder track when I was a freshman. We didn't get an all-weather track until I was a sophomore. So I was setting records on cinder tracks. And um, so uh, the, the notion of running, you know, 15 miles in a workout or something, that was just, who, who does that? You know, so I really didn't get into it until I was uh, in college. I just had enough native speed, I guess, that I could be a good miler, and I won the conference title and the regional and sectional title. Um, and I was lucky enough to be on a team with really good athletes. So I'm very proud that the first state title ever won by Wauwatosis High School was our state track and field championship in 1972. The Wauwatosa High School teams had won many, but uh, the, the school split into East and West in 1961, and it wasn't until 1972 that we won the first state title. So I was really lucky to be in with a group of guys who were really talented and hardworking. That was a wonderful experience. And then I got to college, and uh, it, it was still a struggle because I ended up having four coaches in four years. And I was hurt a lot, and, you know, the different coaching philosophies and all that. And I really didn't get a coach that matched my philosophy until I was a senior. I set 12 records at UWM, but they were all in my senior year. And if I had just had more consistent coaching and more consistent training and someone who looked after me when I got injured, I, I'd like to think I would have done a little bit better. So uh, I have a lot to be thankful for in my running career, but um, and I don't want to be, you know, Frank Shorter said there are a lot of guys, old guys out there who have a case of the if-onlys. If only I had done this, if only I had done that. I don't want to have a case of the if-onlys, so I'm just going to be content with what I had. But, you know, I had a lot of, running has been a positive experience all the way along. Then I went to New York City to, uh, to uh, go to law school at NYU, and uh, I was fortunate enough to run in the first five-borough New York City marathon. So uh, I went out to Staten Island on the bus, and I looked for my number, and I couldn't find it. And I went up to one of the guys, and I said, uh, I, I don't see the table for my number. And he said, what's your number? And I said, 45. And he said, oh, my God. And he grabbed me by the elbow and brought me inside. And Frank Shorter and Bill Rogers and these guys were in there because the top 50 seated runners were allowed to be in this warm building while all the other people had to stand outside and shiver. That's why I couldn't find my number. So that was an experience. Um, so I, and then I've run, you know, I run New York twice and I've run uh, Boston twice back 
when there weren't 50,000 people running these races and all that. So I just, running has um, just been a wonderful experience for me. How how did you get in the Abbas life? I feel like we might ask the same question here. <laughs> how did you get bib 45 at the New York Marathon? How did I get number 45? Based well, on how my, did you get in the top 50? Was it time? Was it, it, was, time? it was previous marathon times. You know, I just wrote down my Mayfair marathon time, and I was seated 45th in the New York <laughs> City Marathon, which was pretty wild. And you had no idea, it sounds like. No, I just went to the West Side Y, and I got on the bus and went out to Staten Island, you know? <laughs> That's super incredible. So how yeah. was that experience? You were, you, were, you were an elite athlete. You were in the elite athlete corral. That sounds pretty cool. This is uh, before they paid you. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> um, Well, I had actually met Frank Shorter before because uh, at the, I, I was a journalism major at UWM, and I got hired by Northwestern Mutual as an intern in the communications department. And uh, I had an idea for a race to be sponsored by Northwestern Mutual, and they, they kind of poo-pooed it. Uh, you know, the heads of the department weren't really that interested. And then one day they came to, to us and said, uh, the president of the company wants a, an event that will tie together health, the bicentennial, and the 1976 Summer Olympics, because Northwestern Mutual has been an Olympic television sponsor for all these years. And I said, I just pulled it off the shelf, and I said, here's my proposal for a run on July 4th, 1976, the Bicentennial. It's a run, so it's, it promotes health, which life insurance companies like. And I said, I can get Frank Shorter and Kim Merritt, who won the Boston Marathon, and some other elite runners if you just uh, let me do that. And they said, how are you going to do that? And I said... John Archer is a vice president at Schlitz, and he's a friend of Frank Shorter. So I'll just have John call Frank up. It's uh, going to be several weeks before the Olympics. It's a 10,000-meter run. It'll be a good tune-up for the Olympic marathon. I think we can get him. Kim Merritt lives in Kenosha. Uh, I can get her, and I'll get some other uh, elite athletes. So I ended up getting Neil Cusack, a runner from Ireland who had won the Boston Marathon as well. But a Shorter came in, and, uh, and Kim Merritt came up, so we had... Uh, two Boston Marathon champions and an Olympic Marathon champion at this race. And so I was the race director and uh, the race uh, announcer that day. And uh, to really tie it together, I said, um, one of our insurance agents at Northwestern Mutual is Billy Mills, who's the only American ever to win the 10,000-meter run at the Olympics. And he's a Native American. He grew up on the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation and staged one of the most one of the biggest upsets in Olympic history when he won the 10,000 meters at in Tokyo in 1964. I said we can get Billy Mills to come in. He he's he was also an inspirational speaker. So at at um, we had a luncheon after the race and Billy Mills gave the inspirational talk. I mean the whole thing just came together. So anyway, I had met Frank Shorter in July of '76, and then in the fall of '76. Early November, I ran the New York City Marathon with him. So that was that was fun. <clears throat> Talking about I've had, a, the... I've had an interesting life. Let me put it that way, running wise. That is such a cool story about the race you put on. Uh, 
I think getting in the running scene in Milwaukee, like we, we, we put on a virtual race this summer and it was really cool, but just how you explained that and how it came together and it was like the perfect timing with the perfect race with the perfect people. That sounds incredible. So how, how was the race itself? Where was it? Was it downtown? It was downtown along the lakefront. It was called the Quiet Company 10,000-meter run. That used to be the nickname for, the, um, for Northwestern Mutual, the Quiet Company. Uh, that race continues today in a different form. It's called the Roots and Wings Run. Uh, it, it's for the insurance agents who come into Milwaukee every year in non-COVID years with their families. And so the Roots are the uh, people in the home office in Milwaukee who run. And the wings are the people in the field offices who sell the insurance and their families. So it's the Roots and Wings run, and they still, that's been going on ever since we put on the Quiet Company 10,000 meter run in 1976. Dennis, that is crazy. I know the Roots and the Roots and Wings run, and you started it under a I different started name. It <laughs> with my brother-in-law, who incredible. also worked in the communications department at at uh, Northwestern Mutual. So John Casperi is no longer with us, but. Um, he and I worked together on that, and, and I went to law school after that uh, that first summer, and then uh, he kept the, the run going, and it's become a permanent fixture at Northwestern Mutual. So yeah, that is incredible. Kudos! I didn't. I'm so glad I know that story now. I feel so much happier. I feel very happy. I appreciate that. Um, I should have brought out my picture of me with Frank Shorter. You'd see me with my porn star mustache and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Oh, we need that. You need to <laughs> yeah. send us that. We we, okay. and we can use that as the cover photo for our okay. um, episode. It's pretty cool. I mean, you know, me and Shorter. I mean, what? Oh, that's what, super you know, cool. Were you, yeah. are, you, are you in like uh, street clothes or like your race outfits? I'm in a T-shirt and he's in his, uh, his running outfit uh, after he finished the, the run. So I'm standing there with the microphone and Frank's next to me. It's a pretty cool thing. Later on, uh, uh, the Cudahy 10-miler, a year or two later, uh, I have a great picture of me in the um, Milwaukee Journal. There's a whole, it went across the entire paper, showed the starting line at the Cudahy 10-miler, and Bill Rogers and Frank Shorter were in that, and I was only a couple of people away from that. We ran the 10-miler together, too. So that was, you know, I mean, I've, I've had my brushes with truly outstanding runners. When you raced that, like the Cudahy 10-miler, were you competitive with them? Like, where did you where did you stack up with them? I wasn't guys? competitive with them, but I was in the top flight, I would say. I think I ran the 10 miles in 52 minutes or something like that. So, Not too bad. A little there. bit faster than uh, I can do it, but I'll get right. you someday. All right. <laughs> uh, you know... One of the things that we love about this podcast is even if nobody were to listen to it, and we're very blessed we got a lot of listeners, uh, we're learning a lot about Milwaukee running history and how it intertwines with all these big names like Bill Rogers and Frank Shorter. Mm -hmm. Roy Perang was on the show in the past. Um, uh, also, Richard Dodd, also a local legend like yourself. Right. And they, they talk about all these, these figures and how they would come to Milwaukee races. Uh, but it also... What all these things you're talking about? We just, I just started reading a book, and Alex just finished it. Uh, the the author is to is set to visit us on the show in a few weeks. Uh, his name is Paul Maurer, and the book is called The Unforgiving Line. And it's a beautiful story of a man that used to be kind of like yourself, and we'd love to buy you a copy. Actually, he used to be in top shape and run against the best, but 
something happened and he talks about these if onlys everything you're saying reminds me of that but of course this character in the story ends up a little bit differently than you and we see this upper upwards trajectory in your life we see mm -hmm. new york university when you see princeton we see now you become the mayor of uh, of a of a hip city as your son would put it is there a connection to the drive because you start in your 20s and then your 30s your times keep getting better and better if you keep pushing but then you reach a point where they don't all these other things that are happening in your life are they alternatives this is a big question but is there any relation? I didn't think you were going to get into big philosophy here, but that's fine. No, but there is a connection. Of course, there's a connection. Um, my father used to say to me, you know, I never had to push you because you're always so hard on yourself. I, I come from a successful family of siblings. Every one of my siblings has been successful in his or her own field. My parents set a very high standard for us. They expected us to get a good education. Even uh, we, we weren't able to afford to go to Harvard or something. We all went to UWM, which is a terrific school, and I'm proud of it. But then we ended up going to graduate schools that are terrific graduate schools. One of my brothers went to Caltech. My twin brother is a retired medical professor at the University of Wisconsin, former dean for students there. My sister is an acclaimed historian. Um, my older brother is uh, one of the leading film critics in the world, actually. He goes to Italy and Ireland and places and gives speeches, and he teaches at San Francisco State. Uh, and, you know, I've got a brother who's a lawyer in Washington and all that. So we've, we all kind of pushed each other, but I was the one fortunate enough to be the athlete. You know, you take that, you take that drive you have to, to hit the finish line before everybody else, and you translate it into other things. For example... I mentioned knocking on 10,000 doors to run for mayor. You do that in January, February, and March. You don't get to do that in the warm weather all the time. So that discipline, that self-discipline that gets you out there to run 10 miles in the snow is also the self-discipline that gets you out to knock on the doors when you're tired and you don't feel like it. And you ring the doorbell and then you have to smile at the person and and uh, take their challenging questions. You know, that. That sort of thing is what keeps you going. And I, as a lawyer, I used to tell the younger lawyers that worked for me, I said, you know, there's always going to be somebody smarter than me, but there's never going to be anybody who can outwork me. There were times when I was working at 2 in the morning writing briefs, and I didn't want to be there writing briefs, but if you're going to get the job done, you're going to do it. And I would say to myself, you're a marathon runner. If you aren't going to do this, who's going to do it? You've got to draw upon that, that well of self-discipline that all of us have who are distance runners. And so there is a quite definitely a connection between the two. It's, it's really, it's not physical self-discipline, it's mental self-discipline that really drives you, as you know. And not to dive in deeper into the philosophical train, but sure, why I, have to, I have to ask. I cannot imagine the discipline and how much you would have to ignore your ego uh, when you are walking up to this 10,000 doors, is it symbolic, by the way? You can answer that later, 10,000 meters, 10,000 no, doors. But you're walking up to these doors, and I'm sure some of them were slammed in your face, some of them were... And at some point, you must have thought, I'm a Princeton grad. I, I'm, I'm a very, very accomplished person, and I don't deserve to be treated this way. And that's not really the question of whether that crosses your mind, but I have seen a correlation with discipline and ego uh, in my life and that anytime I'm more disciplined 
therefore more accomplished, my ego tends to go away. Yeah, I know where you're going. Um, first of all, I, success, if you can call it that, is not a straight line. I've had my failures and my humiliations, and I could have been a better runner. I could have done better in politics, maybe. I could have done better in law. I could have done a lot of things. Um, I'm not going to share all my 3 o'clock a.m. musings about what I could have, should have done, or whatever, but in my family, my dad always, when, when somebody would start getting ahead of himself, he'd say, don't get the big head. So we didn't, we didn't allow that. It's a very Irish thing, by the way. I found out from my Irish sister-in-law. She said, uh, you know, in Ireland, uh, people will give you the shirt off your, their back if you need it, but if you, start getting a, if you start getting ahead of yourself, they'll slap you down real fast, and my dad used to do that, too. But, but truly, just because I've been fortunate enough to go to the East Coast and get a few degrees from some pretty good schools, uh, and because I was able to run a little faster than some other people or whatever, that doesn't make me any better. It just, you know, St. Paul in the New Testament talks about everybody having different talents. And in the philanthropic world, they talk about time, talent, and treasure. So some people have the time, some people have the talent, and some people have the treasure. And the question is, what do you have? What can you give to your community? And and uh, my mother was uh, very civic-minded. She was the vice chairman of the Demo state Democratic Party during the Kennedy administration. And she always made sure that we knew that it was our job to um, give something to the community. We were never rich, never had a lot of money, but we certainly had time and talent that we could we could give to the community. Uh, JFK's mother used to say, and she used to paraphrase St. Luke, which, uh, uh, from those to whom much is given, much is expected. That was really the philosophy. So we've been blessed to have grown up in a nice community with good public schools and good public universities and parents who were hardly perfect, but they did point us in the right direction. Um, and so from those to whom much is given, much, much is expected. You have a lot of good quotes. A lot of good quotes we can take away from this. But Try to you, remember those things. They, they're handy as a politician. They are very handy. And you like just took this podcast like 10 levels higher with that. So it, it does work. It does work. But what you're saying is giving yeah, it's back. That's just because of this. It's just a bobblehead. That's, uh, <laughs> I got to get a bobblehead. I have a Bucks <laughs> bobblehead. There like you go. Giannis <laughs> on the continue. Right. Um, so what... As runners, you know, we're the running community and runners were very like generous people, right? I think they were cut, we're all cut from the same cloth, but you know, we're, we're generous and we give back. And I think how you, you just said that of being able to give back to the community is something good. And, and I think that's what a lot of people we see you're doing it, right? We're doing it. Um, and it's great to see. So I, I like that you brought that in. So, um, friend of the pod, Mike Grimm, shout out, Mike. Thanks for listening. Um, he, Hello, Mike. Mike, Mike recommended you. He uh, he okay. lives in Wauwatosa, and he actually just ran for the fifth district alder person. Okay. He did he did not get it, but he said it was it was an awesome experience, and he well he's going to try again in the future. Okay, uh, so Mike, keep your head up. But he had a great question that he wants to ask. So okay. um, you know, new being new to Wauwatosa and running, he hits up the park system. Uh, it's a beautiful park system, as he's finding mm -hmm. out. Um, and he wants to ask uh, what the theme parks play in a big city like Milwaukee and like Tosa. So what does the role of public parks have in city life? Well, that's, that's pretty easy to answer for me because I can tell you that when I was a kid, I spent 
countless hours in Hoyt Park in Wauwatosa and along the Menominee River Parkway. My twin brother and I and our friend Tom uh, Guiley used to pretend we were intrepid explorers like Lewis and Clark or somebody, and we'd put on our little backpacks and we'd put sandwiches in our backpack and we'd hike along and it was just so inspiring. The, the county park system was a tremendous inspiration. And then when I became a runner, of course, that just became my lifeblood to run along the parkways and things. Um, and in fact, when I applied to Princeton, we had to write an essay, and my essay was on the value of uh, parks uh, to a community and how parks are not only a physical and emotional benefit, but also an economic benefit. And somehow that got me into Princeton for graduate school. So thank you, Milwaukee County Park System. Because what I had read was that uh, if you take a house and put it right next to a park and you take the same house and put it six blocks or 10 blocks away from a park, that house on the park will be worth 15% more than the house 10 blocks away because people value parks. And we need to value our parks more. We used to value them a lot more, and we've let our Milwaukee County Park System go downhill, and that's because, uh, now I'm getting into politics, the state government does not provide the shared revenues that it used to, and so and Milwaukee County is here to provide two things more than anything else. One is a park system, and the other is a, is a bus system, and both are woefully underfunded. But our park systems, uh, park system is the, is the lungs of the city. So I lived in New York City, and I practiced law in Boston for six years. Uh, the first thing I did when I went to New York City was uh, to go to Central Park. And the second thing I did was to go to Prospect Park in Brooklyn. I took a long walk all the way across the Brooklyn Bridge up Flatbush Avenue into Brooklyn Heights and then into Park Slope and, and Prospect Park because those two parks were designed by the greatest park designer in American history, Frederick Olmsted, who also designed uh, Riverside Park, Newberry Boulevard, Washington Park, and Lake Park in Milwaukee. Um, so it was Olmsted's ideas that were the inspiration to me as just a, uh, someone interested in urban life, but also in running. And so I had to go and touch and feel his great parks. And then when I moved to Boston, uh, Olmsted spent his productive years as a park designer uh, living in Brookline, Massachusetts, next to Boston, and he designed the the, the, the so-called emerald necklace in Boston, which created, uh, which connected the the parks and the parkways uh, through the the Fenway system. Um, so uh, everywhere I go, I, I knew a professor at Princeton who said he took a list of Frank Lloyd Wright buildings everywhere he went, and he'd go and visit them. I take a, a list, a mental list of Frederick Olmsted parks. And I go to them when I can. I, I like it a lot. You you just said the parks, you know, haven't been getting the funding they, you know, have had in the past. And I, the park system is a little bit new to me. I've been enjoying it for a long time. But mm-hmm. I, I, there's been like this revitalization of the parks in my mind. And this is political. And if I'm wrong, let me know. But with the beer gardens that have coming back, I, I live right. over in Whitefish Bay and Nassabrook Park Beer Garden. Like, right. uh, like it's fairly new. And it's it's incredible what it brings to just that area. But also <clears throat> like the um, Tulsa like the, the Tulsa pool, for example. I mean, well, I've been involved in that too. I was one of the co-founders of the Friends of Hoyt Park and Pool Incorporated, and I negotiated, as a lawyer, I negotiated the lease with Milwaukee County, our 55-year lease, and I'm still on the board. And I also uh, 
became friends with our primary donors, uh, John and Tasha Morgridge, who are Wauwatosa High School graduates. And since then, they've also, I've been able to encourage them to continue to contribute to the Wauwatosa School. So we're getting a new swimming pool at Tosa East through their generosity, et cetera. So yes, I've been involved with the revitalization of Hoyt Park and the pool and our beer garden out there too. And, and what's wonderful about the beer garden concept is it connects us to our German heritage as Milwaukeeans. Uh, I thought I was the only white person in Milwaukee who had no German heritage and I found a German ancestor uh, sneaking in my my background, so maybe that's why I'm I'm so much in love with it. But the, the, the Germans had this, and, and do have this great beer garden philosophy, which is a family uh, situation. So we're connecting with the German heritage of the most German place in America, and I think that's a wonderful thing. We've revitalized the parks in a way by doing that. Yeah, and, and that and that is really cool because it's the beer garden you have. It's connected to the, the pool on the other side. I mean, it's really like a hub right there. I think that's right. wonderful. A lot of 5Ks start and end there. Right. I would say most of them started in there that I've run, which is incredible. And um, I've got a lot of different plaques, but the... The one that I, I'm most proud of is this one. It was given to those of us on the Tosa pool board who created the pool, and it's a thank you from the community. So here it is. It's the cheapest frame you can get. It was bought at a dime store or something, and it's just a piece of paper. But it's all the, the thank yous from the kids and the parents who uh, are proud of you know having that pool. So that's my favorite thing of all the plaques I've ever gotten. Yeah, that's incredible. So I wanted to give you kudos for helping lead the charge in that because I think it's a wonderful right. thing. When my sister-in-law lived over there, I mean, that's, was like, that's what we did when we went over there with the kids, and it was a wonderful thing. So, Well, I told my kids, and I told the kids that I was the MC for the, the opening of the pool. I, I said, you know, the previous pool was built in 1939, and then it closed in 1999, and then we opened this thing in 2011. We negotiated a 55-year lease. We're not going to, those adults you're looking at, we're not going to be around in 55 years. You guys will be here, and it's going to be your turn to create another pool for the kids that come after you. Well, that, I'm all in because I love the Dells. I grew up going to Noah's Ark. I love pools, okay. so I'm all about it. I'll follow in your footsteps. No, um, that's, it's a baton. If you want to talk about running, let's use the running analogy. It's a relay race. Everything is a relay race. We have a... The oldest commercial building in Milwaukee County is in the village of Wauwatosa, the old retail area, the little red store. And I was involved in fixing that up too. And, and I said to my kids, people have kept that building going since 1854 and it was falling apart and we fixed it up. I said, you guys might have to be the ones that are gonna take care of it after we're gone too. It's a, it's a relay race. Everything is passing the baton. We. Uh, we have a great park system because of the great um, county supervisors and city council members in the city of Milwaukee who created that system, and and it's our job to keep that park system going. Yeah, no, I think that's it's great. Community is all about the baton. People create it, pass it on, make it better, recreate. Right. Um, Dennis, this has been a great conversation. We've learned a lot of history, um, also a lot about you, and this has been awesome. But before we go, we have to do our Cream City Pacers rapid okay. fire questions. Okay. All right. All right. Are you ready for these? Sure. This will be a good one. Okay, we'll start. First one, what is your favorite route to run in Milwaukee? Uh, the lakefront. Nice. Don't do it much, but yeah. 
that was I became very fond of it in uh, you know when I ran at UWM and I loved the the lakefront from South Shore Park down to uh, South Milwaukee too. It's just uh, wow, uh, beautiful parks down there. Yeah, it's beautiful. And South Shore, what they've done with the beer garden down there too. Yeah. It's a wonderful place. Okay, right. if you could bring one person to Milwaukee to run with you, who would it be? Well, I guess the default would be uh, bring my friend Frank Shorter back after all these years. I'm trying to think if there's somebody, you know, a lot of people run you don't know about. I suppose maybe if Barack Obama ran or something, I'd want him to come, but I, I don't know. He smokes too many cigarettes, I think. He plays basketball. So. <laughs> That's a, the, Both of those are good answers. We'll, t- we'll accept them. Right. right. Uh, what is your favorite pre-race pump-up song? And uh, you've been racing for a while, so... I really want to hear it. It's probably not a hip so- hip hop song. No, it's not. I I chose the Chariots of Fire theme song, which is a Char- movie from 1981, 82, 80, 82, I think. Anyway, yes, won the Oscar that year, but I, it never ceases to get me fired up. It's it was written by a Greek guy. I gotta like it, Vangelis. Yes, Vangelis. Vangelis. Yes. Yes. Okay. Vangel. Well, Vangelis probably yeah. in English. In English, and yeah. we're very proud of it because any Greek that does even the slightest thing, we were just extremely proud. And the whole Greeks did some Greece pretty good things. Created democracy and you know a lot of good food <laughs> and you know good artworks and a lot of cool mythology. I think you guys are pretty. You have some I stuff think, to be proud. I of. think we're pretty set. We don't need yeah. any more. Yeah, and we got yeah. cherry as a fire. And just to let you know, we do. Uh, every week, our theme song changes according to the uh, answer to the guest question. To the, I, that the by guest the way, gave I us. should have thrown in you guys invented the Olympics too, so that was pretty cool. And I always point out to people that w- they don't call it track and field in the Olympics; they call it athletics. And the reason is because track and field were the original athletics, right? And if you think about what goes on in track and field. It's war games. It's who could run the fastest, the sprinters. It's who could run farthest to deliver the messages. Who could throw the spear? Who could throw the the implements? Who could ford the river with a pole? You know, so all those things go back to the Spartans and the Athenians and 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 their war games and all that. But um, they called it athletics, so that's what they still call it in the modern Olympics. Well. Um... Mayor McBride, you you are an honorary Greek now. Based on what I hear, you're McBrideopoulos. Or <laughs> <laughs> well, and besides, we love to we love to go to uh, Oakland Euro. So uh, you tell me where your restaurant is, and I'll go down to that too. So okay, it's not quite Greek, but it definitely has a Greek Greek touch. Do you have Spanakopita? Do you have Spanakopita? I do not, but uh, okay. if you maybe we'll 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 twist my mom's arm okay, and uh, right. she'll make mom. you the best the best you've ever had. No offense to Oakland Euros, but my the mom's best is not comparable. You've okay. ever had. She made a tray for you, and I came over one day, and then you came back in the room, and the tray was half gone, and that was me <laughs> enjoying it. So yeah, that's no, one it's, that's it's one great. thing where you you have it all over the Irish. We, you know, um, the Irish culture has produced many great things, but um, a great cuisine is not among them. So we look <laughs> to the Greeks for that. But just to get back to the Chariots of Fire, yeah. our song will be, uh, because of your answer, will be m- modeled around your answer. So uh, I, we're very much looking forward to working on that. Sure. And Any other uh, so we, rapid fire questions yeah, for me? Yes. Yeah. The, 
I don't know what we call them rapid fire after okay. this one. But I was going to uh, give it a new name this week and then forgot to do that. So that'll be okay. on the task next week. Okay. Now, we, we like to ask about books now for the past few episodes. And we see a lot of books in the back. And mm-hmm. we're sure we, you've read many of them. You've mentioned uh, Lincoln. You've mentioned JFK. I'm sure biographies are your favorites. But mm-hmm. what books have helped you the most with running or becoming a better runner? Uh, they don't have to be running books, but just books that you that help you. Well, one book that I read a long time ago, it's a very thin book, and it was made into a movie, a British movie, because it's a British book. And the movie, I think, dates back to the 1950s. But it's worth watching. It's interesting. But the book is called The Loneliness of the Long Distance Runner. And the, the author was a guy named Alan Silito, S-I-L-L-I-T-O-E, if I recall correctly. But it talks about... Um, it was a, a kid in a reform school and how he was a, you know, he was there for a reason and uh, he was required to run and he it kind of turned his life around. And uh, that was an early inspiration when I started really getting into running. Um, there was a, a book that someone handed me in the 70s when I started getting into it, uh, the, the great running writer Hal Higdon, if you've ever heard of him. He wrote a book called On the Run from Dogs and People, which I remember, and that was kind of an early inspiration. Um, One of the things I didn't say is I used to write for Runner's World. I wrote about 10 different articles for Runner's World. I even did a little bit of artwork uh, from my friend Lucian Rosa from uh, Parkside. Uh, That was an inspiration. It wasn't a book, but it was a magazine that really, really helped me a lot. In terms of uh, books that inspire me about running, I don't know about that. I mean, I just, uh, I I have spent a lifetime studying the Civil War and American history and Abraham Lincoln and all that. So um, it's really um, books that, I do read a lot of biographies and and, uh, one of the reasons I read them is I want to find out what, what do you do when the chips are down? And Lincoln was a guy who had depression he had a difficult marriage. He lost uh, several children to disease. Uh, he was elected as a minority president. You know, there were four presidential candidates that year, and he only got 40% of the vote. Uh, he took over a country that was falling apart. People were accusing him of being an ape, a baboon, uh, a this and a that. They thought he was a usurper and a dictator, and and then he got killed at the end of the whole thing after saving the country. Um, it's hard not to read some story like that and not think that um, the difficulties you face uh, on your own seem pretty paltry compared to that. And uh, if you're going to complain about the wind being a little too strong or the rain being a little too hard or the cold being a little too biting, uh, get over it, right? Um, and, and, you know, when you come in from the most difficult runs, uh, the most difficult races, the, the most difficult weather um, then you take your shower, you feel like a million bucks. It's just, uh, you're proud of yourself, you you glow, you feel like you did something. Uh, sure, we all like those days when the weather is perfect and the birds are singing and all that, and that's fun, but you don't really get that same sense of accomplishment until you overcome some adversity. So that's, uh, 
frankly, that's what I look for in a book sometimes, is how do people overcome those things that we all face? We all have problems, we all have struggles, we all have challenges. How do we do that? And as runners, uh, every run is a challenge. It's Are we going to get ourselves out the door? Do we feel it today? My legs are a little tight. Uh, I don't really feel like doing it. Uh, and then you, then you run a good race, you run your best time, and then all of a sudden things seem a little different. They seem doable. No, I, we, the last question we ask is one piece of advice to new runners. And I think you just answered it right there, but is there anything else you'd like to, you'd like to give advice on for, to new runners? Well, I guess the best advice that any runner would give another runner, especially a new runner is, um, it doesn't matter whether you're good or great or terrible. I mean, one of the greatest moments in my life, we had a guy on the, on the UWM team who was overweight and he had already been running for a while. He lost a lot of weight and he was really slow and couldn't keep up with us and all that, but he was on the team and he, uh, he set a personal record, which to most people wouldn't even be much in high school, but to see the joy in his eyes was really remarkable. And the point is that wherever you start, wherever you end up, you can always end up in a better position than where you started. And you can get joy out of it. You don't have to be first. You can be last and still get joy out of running. And so the real point is just keep going. You're in it for the long run. You are in it for the long run. <clears throat> I like that take on that quote. Well, Dennis, this was a great interview, and we appreciate you taking the time. Um, and this was awesome. Thank you. Well, thank you. I mean, uh, it's been a long time since I've really reconnected with my friends in the running community. I've been obviously distracted, and so this has been truly a lot of fun for me, and I really appreciate you bringing me on the show. What an incredible conversation. Uh, I feel like I say this every week, but I feel like we could have kept going and going and going. Dennis is, uh, wow, he has so much knowledge. <laughs> it's just, I don't know where to start here. I, I, I would like to say that like it was pretty cool that like his whole family has done something, like done incredible things. And it seems like he shares that wealth of knowledge from all his siblings and just everything yes. he knows was, was incredible. And, you know, I thought it was cool before the show how we knew he won the Lakefront or well, the Mayfair Marathon twice, but the stories with the New York Marathon and how he was in the like top 50 and how he started the race in Milwaukee and these other runs he got to do with Frank Shorter, like just the cut of hay 10 miler, like that's pretty cool stuff. Yeah, many times you, you see many of the people that become mayors, they're just lifelong politics, politicians, and with with uh, Mayor McBride, he is he's not a just a lucky guy that is very charismatic. He is charismatic and accomplished. I mean, his accolades, as you just heard, is just incredible. And I love the fact that he's such a reader, you can tell. Because as they say, not all readers are leaders, but all leaders are readers. We got some good books to read. And we need to start memorizing some quotes. That I, I think that very that came out a ton. That I need to memorize some quotes so I can sound powerful. And I need a Lincoln bobblehead. That's and a Lincoln bobblehead. <laughs> yeah, for, for sure. all you guys didn't get to see that, but he was pretty excited when he showed us that. Um, yeah, no, and that that was that was awesome. Man, 
we're so lucky to have such great as great community in Milwaukee. Apostoli, if you don't mind, I want to give a couple shout outs to our listeners. We got an awesome email from Dominic Newman, who is the head cross country coach at Shorewood. And he uh, says that he loves listening to the podcast while grading his papers. It's been awesome to have during quarantine. Dominic, that is why we're here. Also, uh, keep it up. I saw you had um, a good run at cross country this year. So uh, kudos to you and the Greyhounds. Also, our thoughts and prayers going out to Arun Sakar. Arun's mother passed away about a month ago. And uh, Arun, we want to know that we're with you. And as you know, the running community is also here with you. Yes, yes it is. And go back and listen to Arun's episode. And he he spills a lot of knowledge. Also, our one-year celebration episode that Alex did uh, also has a very nice little soundbite by Arun. Arun, our thoughts and prayers, my friend. Again, my condolences. And then next week on the pod, this is like the first time we've probably uh, hinted at who our guest is next week. We have Paul Maurer uh, coming on the show. Paul is the author of the book, The Unforgiving Line, which if you're a runner and live in Wisconsin, which you probably are if you're listening to this, you need to go give that a read. So when we have our interview next week, you can follow along with us. It's a really good read. I've, I've read it twice and uh, I'm excited to talk to Paul about the book. I, I have so many questions for him. I've taken a million notes on my kindle oh i have uh, so many questions i have f- he's so eloquent he's so eloquent I, I just keep looking up words that he uses and then uh just some reminders here merch 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 i, I was planning on releasing it this week if, if you listen to this and it's not out forgive me but i'm i'm seconds away from from making it live and then um we also have our newsletter, which has been going great. If you are not subscribed for that, head over to creamcitypacers.com forward slash newsletter and sign up today. We, we release those um, after we release an episode on Friday. So look for that in your inbox over the weekends. And, uh, and I'll let and you take the last two no- notes here we have on our show notes. Well, as you know, I, I really go nuts and love the whole pre-race pop-up song deal that we ask every single guest and we've taken and compiled all we've compiled a playlist on spotify using all those answers so you can head over to spotify uh, and and search for pre-race pump-up songs and it's a playlist by the cream city pacers or you can just go to the newsletter the newsletter has a link within uh, for you to go there and just get your day started your your run started or just listen to it while you're getting um, while you're showering it's just a great great very eclectic mix I guarantee you there's one song on that list that will get you going it doesn't matter the mood the type of music that is some variety the one thing we are finding out is that runners are metalheads which I would have never ever made that correlation but I have started making that correlation from, since starting the show we have Metallica, uh, Ronnie James Dio, uh, Dio, Van Halen. We had uh, Guns N' Roses, if that counts as metal. For some people, it does. Uh, Flirts but, on the line. But yeah, hard rock metal. metal. It's, it's yeah. good stuff. But you, Go you listen to that. But you know what, Alex? One of the biggest problems I have when I listen to podcasts, I get into a podcast and then it's the episode is over and I don't know what I'm going to listen to next. I'm going to give a suggestion today. I would like people to go back and listen to Richard Dodd's episode. If you like today's episode and going back memory lane of what Milwaukee races used to be like and hearing all these names like Frank Shorter uh, and all these other legends, 
go listen to that podcast, Richard Dodd, or if you haven't, if you have listened to that one, listen to Roy Pirung's uh, podcast from the CCP Nation. I love it. It's beautiful. All right, everyone. Until next Friday, keep on running. <laughs>